When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There we go. Recording. I don't have the microphone close to me. There we go. Recording. Now turning the lights on. Because I'm a moron. And my uh, my air conditioner is uh, condensing or doing something that air conditioners do. And also causing a little bit of a flood. In the foyer of my apartment, and by that I mean the couple feet of wood. So, I'm waiting on for the, the repair guy to get here, and I have lint all over my shoulders like a jackass. Kind of a dipshit. Starts a podcast with lint on his shoulders. What a fucking... Truly brushing the dirt off my shoulders. Um, so, in the meantime, I'm going to do a little bit of a solo rant. Um, that I've been meaning to do, like, this is some pressing thing. Like, guys, I've been meaning to do this. It's, it's, it's just me yelling like a moron. There's nothing of true value that's going to come out of this. But it's an idea that, uh, I first heard on Alex Jones on his, I think, episode 9-11 with Rogan. Uh, about the breakaway civilization. And to me, I, I always viewed it as, like, and I still kind of do. Um, like a true asshole, just covering my bases. Um, it, to me, I always kind of viewed it in the same air as like, uh, is my nose cut? Jesus, get your shit together, Tommy. I always kind of put it or held it in the same light as like, like reptilian overlords. It was just kind of like, you know, like getting drunk is fun, but like, I don't need to be doing meth and like fentanyl. Like conspiracies are fun, but I don't need to ramp it up to 11. Like, I don't need that. Like it's. It's intriguing enough to think about, like, the formation of the Federal Reserve, like, the entrenched power structure of military interests in the United States, you know, talked about by Smedley Butler. Even Abe Lincoln mentioned it. There's a quote by Abe Lincoln that's not really well known, but it was, like, right before the Civil War, and it's, like, his fear that in the future all the wealth will consolidate into a few corporations, like, mainly arms producers. And I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's that's at the beginning of... Um, uh, Eye in the Sky, Rise of the Gordon Stared by Arthur Hall and Michael. Um, Smedley Butler giving his Wars a Racket speech. Um, Eisenhower in, what, 60, 60, 61? 60, right? Well, probably it'd be January, wouldn't it be January 19th, 1961? Let's get a fact check on that, on that gay shit. Uh, uh, Eisenhower... Military industrial complex. What day was that speech? Hmm. 17th of January, 1961. So it wasn't his last day in office. Well, my reality shattered. Um, so all that stuff's interesting, right? Military industrial complex. Um, and then, so I'd listen to Alex Jones talk about a breakaway civilization, but it was, again, it's kind of, always tied in with like the entertainment value of Alex Jones and you, you really got to take it with a grain of salt. 
um, not really realizing it. I'd always heard the term, but I just had never... It's like when you hear a name again and again and again, and then you eventually realize it's like a person in like your group at school or work. You're like, oh, that's that's so-and-so, right? I'd always heard the term, but it just kind of never really focused into like the crosshairs of like my consciousness. Um, years ago in like 2017, I started listening. There's a ton of episodes. There's a ton of things that I listen to that aren't, I always talk about audiobooks. There are a ton of things I listen to that, that aren't audiobooks. They're, and they're not even really documentaries. They're just like YouTube videos that I, you know, living at home from August 1st, 2016 to April uh, 17th, 2021, almost five years. Jesus, that's such a long time. But um, kind of going crazy, one of the really the only things that would just through all the tumultuous, you know, getting sober, doing therapy, getting broken up with, living at home, not really having any friends, not having a social life, not knowing where I was going with my life. Really, and it, it's depressing, but I mean, like my solace was sleep. Like at the end of the day, I got to just like exit out of the like what I felt was the nightmare that was my life. And there were a lot of people in the world that would kill to have had the nightmare that is my life, being an air-conditioned home with food, water, and loving parents, and a door that locks. Most people in the world don't have that, so I'll shut the fuck up. Um, I need to do solo rants more often. I gotta stay sharp. I gotta stay good. I gotta fine hone these. Um, but I, the solace was sleep, and I would always listen to just documentaries. And by documentaries, I just mean YouTube clips. And uh, one of the first ones I started listening to was... Um, was Walter Bosley on the Higher Side Chats with Greg Carlwood. And um, Walter Bosley's former uh, Air Force OSI, Office of Special Investigations, and he went into this whole investigation. This is the first time I'd ever heard it about uh, NIMZA, N-Y-M-Z-A, which was apparently like a Prussian military-industrial complex, and then their sort of subsidiary group, the Sonoro, Sonora Aero Club, A-E-R-O, which was, I guess, in Sonora, was it California, in like around the time of the Civil War, if not a little earlier. And the whole, and there was a guy, Charles Delschau, a German engineer and like draftsman or something. And it's the whole idea that they had these like flying machines and not Zeppelins or hot air balloons, but they had flying machines. And I mean, it's fantastic. It's, it's fun because it's, you never really hear like conspiracies at like that time. So it's like a fun steampunk. Again, it just helped me sleep. I thought he had a relaxing voice. That's that's the true basis of all of this was crippling depression. But you can look up Charles Delshaw, D-E-L-L-S-C-H-A-U, who had all these like hundreds and hundreds of drafts of these things. And there are stories about like these fantastic flying machines landing on like farms in the middle of the night and guys coming out, kind of like some Jules Verne shit coming out in like three piece suits and asking for like some water and food, just kind of like you'd stop at a gas station on a road trip. And in turn, they'd take these farmers up on like, you know, a little flight and like, here's, you know, this is before skyscrapers were a thing. So it's like, here's a view of your farm from 200 feet up. Like no one's ever seen this before. Um, but they weren't blimps. The I, it's the the deep lore of all of this is that there's something that I think they called ended up calling like serum, but it was like the none of it none of it checks out. It doesn't matter. The idea was they had like mercury and thorium and in, in these like barrels and they like spin them with magnets or something that somehow created zero point energy. 
fuck off, just go with it. Um, well, then there were the Sonoro, there, there were the airship sightings off the coast of California in, I think, 1897 of, like, giant airships. And all the illustrations kind of, like, across the, like, the United States of these, they all, they're all similar. And there's, there's no internet, there's no people are, like, LARPing off each other's stories. They're all pretty similar independent accounts, which I just think is intriguing. Um, and so, so in what, I mean, what, the first hot air balloons, I believe, were used, at least in the United States, towards the end of the Civil War, again, from Arthur Hall and Michael's uh, Eye in the Sky, Rise of the Gorgon Stair. Um, I think there were reports of, like, a, like a Zeppelin or a hot air balloon being used in France in the 1700s. And apparently, like, it, it crash-landed, and the and the townspeople, like, mobbed and killed the occupants because they thought they were aliens, which is fucking hilarious. Um, and, uh, all right, and then, obviously, they're right there, the German Zeppelins, they're, I think that's the beginning of the story, or the, the book, Unbreakable, turned into a movie. But I remember, the, I just remember reading the first chapter, and the kid talks about seeing, like, a Zeppelin, like, the first time. But the so really what this is is it's right, and then we don't have the Wright brothers, the heavier than air flight until nineteen oh two, right? Kitty Hawk. And so the idea that there were flying machines that weren't Zeppelins, you know, thirty, forty years before, what the reason I gravitated to it, aside from the fact that it helped me go to sleep and not listen to my paralyzed geriatric dog barking and think about the fact that I was living at home was the idea of, like, that's kind of the first, at least in my mind, instance of, like, the military is 40 years ahead of current technology. And um, I just thought that was interesting. It was, like, this first kind of truly advanced. I mean, always, the government, they always have the better weapons. But it was the first time that it was, like, the difference between like, yeah, everyone owns a musket, but like the White House is defended by cannons. It was like, no, it was like really a jump ahead, right? And, um, whoops. And so the idea is that that kept going. And then as always with, with Smedley or with Eisenhower, apparently the Sonoro Aero Club, uh, once they mastered this thing, they reported back to like their headquarters, like their their financial backers, NIMZA, NYMZA, and they were like, "Oh, great, it flies now. Let's put weapons on it." And they were like, "No, we don't want to put weapons on it." And the clash. Now, granted, Smedley and Eisenhower are two documented cases, and this other one's bullshit. But just go with it. Doesn't matter. Nothing makes sense. We're hairless apes living on a rock that's hurling through space. Who cares? Right. So. <clears throat> Right, we think about the Nazis. We think about the V two, Operation All Sauce, Operation Paperclip. We went in, snagged them all, brought them back over. We knew they had superior technology. I think the early, and this is from Andy Jacobson's Operation Paperclip. I think the earliest estimates were that they were twenty years ahead of us. We knew we were going to be facing off with the Soviets. We knew that uh, it, without really having a term for it, that a Cold War was on the horizon. Originally, the idea of bringing back Nazis was unthinkable, but it became a race to the bottom. And it was even if we get all the technology, the pieces, the the, the schematics, we kind of need the brain to put it together. We don't want to do that. The Soviets are doing it. Ideally, we could kill them all, 
But if the Soviets got some, we now have to get some just because if we don't have them, they do have them. And as I believe a Pentagon official said in the years after the war, let's not beat a dead Nazi horse. The idea that it's what are we going to sit here on our moral high ground and be like, we're not going to take back Nazis. And And the importance of rockets was sure we had the atomic bomb, but the idea was you still had to deliver it. Can you get through any aircraft, blah, blah, blah. But if you can put it on top of a rocket, which like the V2 flying into Berlin, or not Berlin, uh, uh, Britain, could you put it, lob it on top of that? And then the Russians, obviously, first throwing up Sputnik, well, now you can deliver it. You can deliver it from orbit, coming in at terminal velocity or, or orbital velocity, Mach 23, blah, 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 blah right? It keeps going on and on and on and on. We always know there's an arms race. We always know that we're pushing for more and more advanced technology, I mean, I mean, what we got the Messerschmitt two six two, the first jet engine, and then what, what, what? Fifteen years after World War Two, Francis Gary Powers shot down in the U two, and uh, because Eisenhower's a boss, he was like, all right, we just publicly, he's like, we're gonna, we're finished, and then privately, he was like, higher, faster. So the SR seventy one, everyone knows that story has been beaten to hell. But um, I mean, in the 60s, that thing was flying at 85,000 feet at Mach 3 plus. It's top speed, still classified. Um, it had the D-21 drone, which although although uh, Ben Rich stated they never produced a hypersonic vehicle, he also states in his book, Skunk Works, that this thing did attain, I think it was 4,500 miles an hour, which is hypersonic. And it topped out, I think, that the record was like 105,000 feet. So we had a hypersonic 105,000-foot altitude drone, which never really worked, but we were flying it over China and shit, and it kept fucking up. Even killed some of the people in the SR-71 when I think it clipped the wing. But that's in the 60s, right? That's in the 60s. That's, what was Woodstock, 69? So that's that's at least pre-Woodstock, pre-Jimi Hendrix melting your face with a guitar, we had a drone going hypersonic speeds at 100,000 feet. So it's just like, that's not a conspiracy. Like, that's all that's all public knowledge. The, the literature's out there. You can go read all of that. Skunk Works by Ben Rich. Get it on Audible. Great book. We know that with the F-117 Nighthawk, and it had a, a radar cross-section smaller than a ball bearing, that's how Ben Rich would pitch it to... Uh, generals at the pentagon he'd roll it across the table and be like that's our radar signature and eventually he was told to stop doing that because it went from being classified to top secret to special access program which his mentor uh uh uh, clarence kelly johnson the uh, founder of the skunk work section of Lockheed martin told him ben you dumb shit he was an asshole but he's awesome ben you dumb shit um uh you've you've kind of you've you almost you've got too successful like now now a special access program it's like it's, they're gonna make your life hell because it's, that's just the tier above i believe the manhattan project was the first special access pro- program i could be incorrect on that which didn't matter because the rosenbergs and Klaus fuchs ended up giving away the information but doesn't matter we got the last last one we toasted those rosenberg commie assholes with the F-117, it was that that's an example of a technology that was so advanced that we didn't we didn't break it out for just anything. I believe it was Caspar Weinberger, Secretary of Defense under Reagan, when they wanted to take out Gaddafi. Again, I think I might be getting these names and dates butchered, but it's all in Skunk Works by Ben Rich. Um, 
we were like, we can go get them. Let's use the F-117s. And Weinberger eventually was like, we're not going to use the F-117s because, sure, we want Gaddafi. But by using these, we are playing a hand that is not right. Because the whole thing, it's not just that you have to have the best weapons. It also has to be no one knows about your weapons, right? It's, if I know you have a bunker at location XYZ, it could be impenetrable, but at least I know where it is and I can start preparing to attack it. If I don't even know where your bunker is or that the bunker exists, there's that whole shock and awe aspect of like, oh, fuck, they have this thing and then I have to start preparing, right? You don't want, it's like when you've played a, it's like speed running a video game. Like, sure, you have to get better at it, but like, you know the game, you can play it again and again and again and again until you get better and faster and you know everything. Imagine speed running a video game that you've never played before. Someone just, Puts it in and goes, speed run this. Is it Far Cry? Just started playing Far Cry 6 last night. It's, it's somehow worse than Far Cry 5. But it does have some like just cause touches to it. So I walk back that statement and I say, I think it's better than Far Cry 5. It should be just cause. It should be just cause. Um, the reason, also, I'm having so much fun doing a solo raid. I need to do these more. They're like a form of therapy. I just get all the madness out. I thought the maintenance guy was here. So we didn't... So yeah, the whole thing is secrecy. Weinberger was like, we're not going to use the F-117. And the other military officials were like, but yo, if we go after him with these other fighter jets and we miss, you know, if you come for the king, best not miss. If we miss, he's going to go into even deeper hiding. And ultimately, it was weighed that we would rather fail our mission against Gaddafi than let the Soviets see that we have the F-117. So I guess an analogy would be like, would be like if they didn't use the stealth Black Hawk to go get Bin Laden and Operation Neptune Spear, Spear in Abbottabad, Pakistan, May, May 2011, right? Which, again, a funny story about that. I used to wake up every morning at the Pie Cap frat house my sophomore year in Valdosta, Georgia, and I'd walk to the gym, and I'd, uh, SAE was next to us, and they had this big marble lion. And I remember walking out at, like, 4 or 5 in the morning, and I saw my buddy Corey, and he was painting it. And I, at first I thought it was, like, someone vandalizing it, and I didn't care, and I just kind of looked at it, and I realized he was painting it red, white, and blue. And then I realized it was Corey. And then I realized Corey was shit-faced. And I was like, what are you doing? And I remember he looked at me. It's the first time I'd ever heard it. He goes, we got him. And I was like, and then I was like, oh, we got him. <laughs> but um, but it'd be like if they didn't use the stealth Black Hawk to go get Bin Laden. And um, which is not quite the same. We really wanted Bin Laden because 9-11 where it's get off. He was kind of like an underling. But just entertain the idea that we find Bin Laden. And we're like, let's go get him. They're like, we're going to use the stealth Black Hawk. And you could say whoever the fuck was Secretary of Defense under Obama. I don't think it was Rumsfeld. Um, who the fuck was it? Who's, I it doesn't matter. It'd be like if he came in and said, hey, there's been a lot and we really want to go get him. But under no circumstances do I want the Chinese to know we have the stealth helicopter. And they were like, well, we might fuck it up. And it might be another 10 years before we see Bin Laden again. And they were like, that's how classified this technology is. That's kind of what the F-117 was about. And it, and that's exactly what happens. We used normal fighter jets, and we didn't get him, and he got away. But we wanted to keep it secret because it was so 
classified. So there, there are these examples of like where the classification of technology supersedes anything else. The idea of the breakaway civilization really is, it's not as ridiculous as it was when I first heard it. It's still ridiculous, but what it is, is it's a juiced up version of something that isn't ridiculous. And that's the military industrial complex, or which is ridiculous, but is real. And with real all the fucking examples I just stated, it's a juiced up version of that. Um, think about NORAD, think about the DUCK, the D-U-C-C, the Deep Underground Command Center, which was supposed to be like a carbon copy of the Pentagon, 3,500 feet directly below the Pentagon, so they could, in theory, evacuate the most important people straight down. NORAD is under 2,000 feet of rock, but that's still on a mountain, which is above ground. The idea was put the DUCK below ground, so you can't get any, like, blast waves or overpressures. And from Garrett Graff's Raven Rock, it could, quote, survive repeated 300 megaton, 300, six times Sarbamba, megaton direct hits. Or survive, I think it was like a couple 100 megaton bunker buster thermonuclear warheads, which is, eh. but... There are these examples of, which again, these all exist, Raven Rock by Garecraft, one of my favorite books. I mean, Site R, uh, the Greenbrier Hotel, which that's a whole story about the importance of secrecy over the actual technology. And then when it was divulged, it kind of became voided. Um, NORAD, the entire relocation arc, JFK's like summer White House or winter White House bunker on Peanut Island off, of, off the coast of his mansion in Florida. It's always about consolidating, right? The most, I mean, that's that's what in the 1%, right? The richest neighborhoods, right? Or the private billionaires that have their, or, or I guess you could go one more, right? Because the top 1% of America is still three and a half million people, yes, right? And they have, you know, country clubs with, with, with private security. And then you could go maybe the top 0.1%. Those are, those are kind of more like, probably much more exclusive, like estates with, with, you know, whole security forces up to like billionaires, right? With their own islands, with their own bunkers. Uh, they buy up old missile silos, the Atlas silos, um, with like entire like defense forces, right? So you can see this, it, it keeps going in the same direction, where as you get to more wealth with less people, and there are Bifs. They're more and more elite and small, smaller and consolidated groups, and their own abilities to survive also are going up. So it's like, it's like the like the right the um excuse me like the top point oh one percent is as elite to the one percent as the one percent is to the ninety nine percent. Right? I mean, even the ninety nine percent. If you make more than thirty five thousand dollars a year in the United States. You are the 1% of the world. Like 99% of the world lives below you. You are the 1%. And it kind of repeats itself up until, I mean, right, you get to like the, what, the top 100 billionaires own more than the, like the rest of the world. That could be incorrect as well. But it, it sort of, it runs away, right? The idea of the breakaway civilization, as I have come to understand it, is that 
instead of having like the tippy top of the Americans, the Soviets, the Chinese all surviving in their own bunkers, like, can you go even farther? Can you have the cream of the crop of each nation state, not just billionaires and not just, you know, continuity of government, but it's almost like, could you have like a league of nations or a UN of the most elite people and they pool their resources and instead of having, you know, a private neighborhood up to like, well now like you can buy like condos and like shelters up to, you could have your own uh, bunker to you're the government where you have NORAD. It's like, could you go one step further? Could you have a breakaway civilization and where you would have technology that is to special access programs, what special access programs are to top secret programs as top secret is to commercial. So it's like, you know, the military is roughly like, at least with aircraft, it's like 20 to 30 years ahead of commercial, if not more, probably closer to 40. Well, why wouldn't that same pattern repeat itself within the military industrial intelligence elite? Why wouldn't they siphon off the, and that's just, it's all based on like what we currently see, what current patterns and human and sociological behavior we see is could they not go further, right? You have, you have high school football, you have college football, you have the NFL, and then you have the Super Bowl, and then you have the Super Bowl MVP, and then you have like the Hall of Fame, and then you have like the GOAT, Tom Brady. Why wouldn't it continue? Why wouldn't it just keep going forward? And <clears throat> granted the Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, the latter of which I do not have, but the former of which I have no shortage of. The idea is that there is a breakaway civilization and that um, that's like what ET technology or what, what we think of UFOs are. I mean, there's one school of thought that the United States sort of got like a freebie, like an Easter egg, like someone dropped the cheat code in July 1947 being the flying saucer and we reverse engineered that or the idea that it's just this hyper elite central center center group that is kind of leaving even the military industrial complex behind in that it's I mean it's right it, I mean it's the image of the of the parent holding up the baby in Saigon or more recently in Kabul sort of one of us out of this whole family, one of us can can survive and potentially have it better as opposed to all of us suffering together and getting nowhere. And it's, I mean, it's brutal, but I mean, look at every mass extinction, like nature doesn't give a fuck. So there might just be some psychopaths or maybe in their own minds, or and maybe this is what makes them psychopaths, but maybe in their own minds, their ideas like, some of us survive or none of us survive. Like, there is no all of us survive, right? Some of us are getting on the lifeboats off the Titanic. We can try to pick up everyone and then we'll all freeze. It's very easy to make that argument when you're in the lifeboat. But the Atlantic Ocean doesn't give a fuck. It's just biology doesn't give a fuck. Hypothermia, done, right? I mean, the people jumping off said it felt like a thousand knives stabbing him. 
in in those the accounts from uh from the Titanic. So <clears throat> so the idea is that they're looking at things like climate change or an asteroid or like a gamma ray burst, which is if that might be wrong, but isn't that when like there's a supernova or a hypernova or when black holes collide, there is like this sort of like line of like death particles. And it's kind of like getting 360 no scoped while also there's the other axis. So it's like 360 times 360 no scoped. But like if you do get no scope, like if you get, n if you jump up and do a no scope in a, on a map, you're probably not going to hit anyone. But if you do, it's the same armor-piercing bullet that a well-placed sniper shot would do. So, right? And I don't know if that's hypernova or whatever the fuck it is. But it is like a burst of just death. It's like of just death that would just engulf. Although it's like a laser line, it's still big enough that it would encapsulate the whole Earth. I mean, coronal mass ejections, granted, you could do, you know, bunkers and shit, but... Or the idea that, yeah, a climate change, asteroid, Earth-ending thing, whatever. You need a backup. Now, Elon's doing it in a way, because I'm on a fucking first-name basis with him. Elon's doing it in a way that's like, let's go to Mars, become a multiplanetary species. And, and this might be... This might be something that... Right, like supersonic, supersonic travel... Or like nuclear reactors and nuclear subs, it kind of eventually trickles down to like where we have civilian nuclear power plants. The breakaway civilization might have been what Elon's doing now, and they've had it right, or you know, nuclear missile silos or bunkers like the government needed for continuity of government, and then so much time's passed that it's kind of trickled down to where like you can go buy an old missile silo, and it's like we needed this, but now that we don't need it, you can have it. That might have been, that might be what the breakaway civilization is, is their whole thing was like, let's go to Mars or go to the moon. And now, like, civilian technology is catching up, and we go land there, and it's like, ah, yeah, I guess, you know, we did make it. You know, we weren't sure if we'd make it through the Cuban Missile Crisis. So, Walter Bosley talks about it with, like, airships. Um, Joseph Farrell talks about it as, um... Joseph Farrell talks about it. Farrell, F-A-R, I think it's, yeah. He has a, he has a great little, like, uh, speech called Brains, Bullion, Bonds. And it's all about if to do to breakaway civilization, you'd also need an equally secretive uh, form of financing, which goes all the way back to, um, um, fuck, what is it called? Um, the book Gold Warriors by, I can't remember the names for the life of me, um, but it's all about how there's actually like a lot more gold in the world than we think there is. And it's because the Japanese buried it in all these like caves and shit during World War II. And they plundered to in a state of efficiency that, much like Unit 731 made the Nazis look like Boy Scouts, apparently the Japanese plundering, the Imperial plundering of gold reserves also made the, made the Nazis look like, you know, fumbling, unfrugal idiots. Um, fuck. Seagraves. It's by uh, the the couple Seagraves who are deceased now. Um, uh, Farrell Farrell puts forward that this whole sort of breakaway thing was funded by this thing. So it's 
It's like inflation, but if no one knew you had a printer. So it's like all this gold exists and we could use it. Originally, we were going to use it for like Cold War black slush funds. Whatever. Um, um, Richard Dolan has another like... I'll, I know I always say I'll put these links in the description and I never do. I'll actually put the links in the description. Let me text myself that right now. Links in the description. Because I never do. So Walter Bosley has like two like hour-long talks about it. Joseph Farrell has like an hour-long talk about it. Uh, Richard Dolan has an hour-long talk about it. And then a guy that I discovered last week and is quickly becoming, like, one of my favorite guys is uh, Jason, Dr. Jason Reza Giorgiani, who is frequently on a podcast, which I also found last week, called, uh, I think it's called New Thinking Aloud, uh, with psychologist uh, uh, Mishlove. I don't know, I forget his first name. Jared? Gary? Doesn't matter. He gives a long talk about it. And again, it's you kind of don't know, unlike the airship sightings of the 1890s where the stories kind of did all match up without them being cross-pollinated. With the internet you, and modern-day conspiracies, like you never know if you're finding corroborating reports or if they're all cross-pollinated. You know, well, I heard this. Well, I heard this. Well, I heard this. And in reality, is like it started one place. New York Times puts out an article. Well, CNN uh, reports on a New York Times article. Well, Fox reports on a CNN coverage. And MSN, MSNBC reports on Fox News coverage. And the Mayo Clinic cites MSNBC. You get to this sort of circular thing where no one really fucking knew where it started. It just, oh, it's a thing now. And no one can really trace back to the primary source. And when they do find it, they realize it's all horseshit. That is an admitted huge problem of, like, modern conspiracies is, you know, Am I finding all of these corroborating reports, or are they are they all fact? Are they all uh, citing each other? Does Jason Reza Giorgiani does he cite Richard Dolan, who cites Joseph Farrell, who cites Walter Bosley, who's citing Alex Jones, who was just coked out of his mind on Joe Rogan, which I don't know if he was. It's don't slander me. I have no problem slandering anyone else, but I'm like Alex. I didn't mean it. But yeah, the idea is that all this sort of wealth, power, and technology has consolidated into like a hyper small group, which to me, it's not entirely insane because we have seen again, well, we see currently and also in the past, we see again and again that like wealth does consolidate and like personal uh, pleasures or creature comforts also sort of go up exponentially with wealth as the number of people that have it goes down exponentially. Why wouldn't that trend just keep continuing, right? There will never be a skyscraper taller than this. And then they build the next one. Well, never taller than that. And then the next one. And so right now the Burj Khalifa is at, um, what, 828 meters? Never taller than that. Well, I mean, in time, yes. It's Airbus A380 and Tonoff 225. Well, in time, yes, the biggest cruise ship. I think for a while the biggest cruise ships were, like, surpassing each other. I shit you not, by, like, like four or five feet in length. But they kept going. You know, uh, my old laptop had 256 gigabytes of of memory. My iPhone that I got this year, I got my laptop August 2019. I got this one. I got this phone in like June, July 2021. It has twice the memory. Um, this iMac right now 
costs as much as my laptop did two years ago. It has two terabytes. I think it's two terabytes. Let's see. Yeah, it's two terabytes. Um, it does always keep going. And so... And also just human nature. Like, do we really think that oh, they wouldn't build a breakaway civilization to survive on their own as the rest of us die. No one fucking thinks that. The best-selling book on Audible in 2019 was called Raven Rock, the U.S. government's plan to save itself while the rest of us die. And everyone knows it, and it's not some scandal. We know it and we don't give a shit. There's NORAD where the president's going to survive, and all right. Isn't it ironic how the nuclear bunkers are going to save the people... Only save the people who are also the only people that started the nuclear war. It's interesting. The lifeboat manufacturers are the only guys that get to use the lifeboats. But the idea of the breakaway civilization is that it was, I mean, some would say it's just pure, pure greed and selfishness, which I'm sure it is. You know, we're going to survive. Fuck the rest. The other uh, kind of school of thought is that it was in a sort of like, we have to do this. You know, we knew there were 10 American POWs in Hiroshima. But it was like, we're, we're going to end the war and we're going to end it like tonight by dinner. I mean, that's a slippery argument for the greater good. But let's just look at this. I'm not here to argue because I'm a, a, a pussy and I'm just going to thump. I'm just going to lateral that philosophical argument to someone else let's just look at history it, it has happened right i mean when the, the when the bombers when i believe it was to loosen up sort of like the interior land on d-day you couldn't always see if it was a village or a factory or an army barracks so when you saw structures you just are you not going to release the tonnage knowing there were a million men about to invade. We killed a lot of fucking civilians on, on June 6, 1944. Again, we'll place that argument for another podcast, but let's just look at history. It has happened. So, um, I mean, again, in Raven Rock by Garrett Graff, uh, G-R-A-F-F, who's been on this podcast, thank you very much, he talks about how, I forget who it was, it was some woman who was used uh, as like an analyst or a, like a quote-unquote realist, realism consultant for something like the West Wing or, or, or any of the other just homeland shows I've never watched. Um, um, uh, House of Cards, apparently this woman was like a contributor, you know, you know to just make it more realistic. And there's a scene in one of these where, like, like a helicopter lands to evacuate the top officials to a bunker. And, like, Marines are outside of it, guns drawn, willing to shoot anyone who doesn't have the proper card. Including people that, like, work in the administration, right? It'd be like if you're hanging out with your family and a helicopter lands to evacuate you and, like, your dad, your mom, and your brothers. But you're at a wedding with a bunch of family. Guns are up, pointing at everyone else, even though you love them. Only a couple people are getting on here. Again, the lifeboats. 
Some are getting on and surviving or no one is. There's no scenario where we all do. You can sit here and say, well, I refuse to get in the helicopter. That's fine. You're going to be radioactive dust ablated into the upper ionosphere very quickly. Knock your socks off, which it literally will. You'll also deatomize them. But, whoops. Apparently this woman was like, so they're shooting the scene and they were like, um, she was like, no, that doesn't actually exist. Like, there aren't, like, cards for that. Like, they'd evacuate all of us. And, oh, no, she was, I think she was the press secretary for, like, Clinton or something. Like, Bill. And then, like, a different analyst or realism contributor, again, go get Garrett Graff's book, who, like, did have one of these clearances. Apparently, he was brought in. And he was like, no, 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 that exists. And this woman had no idea. She had no idea. And they're like, she's like, why didn't I have one? And she was like, because they're like, because you didn't have a card. There was no need for you to know this existed. So like this does, there is precedent for this. Actually, not only is there precedent, there is nothing but precedent for this. There's no example of the alternative ever happening. So, I mean, Curtis LeMay, I mean, uh, all the top generals, they weren't supposed to bring their wives. They were supposed to bring their secretaries and their mistresses because I guess boys will be boys no matter what, including they had a bunch of condoms and contraceptives and alcohol and shit, all sorts of... They're ready to party in the bunkers. They're ready to go down like the Fuhrer. But, I mean, LeMay, LeMay's daughter said, Curtis LeMay, uh, Secretary of the Air Force, four-star general, head of the Strategic Air Command, told his daughter, not only are you guys not coming with me when I go to the bunker, I'm not even going to give you a heads up because that might tip off everyone else and cause society to run into chaos. I just won't be home for... And he's a general, so he's all the time he's home later out of town. You just won't hear from me. And you might think I'm at a meeting. And sometimes I might actually... Most of the time, I'll probably be at the meeting. And I'll just come home the next day. You're not going to get any, like, I'm going to the bunker. Like, that's hard enough for dad to be like, I'm going to the bunker. Good luck. He's not even going to tell you good luck. He told his daughter, uh, uh, keep your eyes open, read, listen, pay attention, read the signs, which is kind of a hard thing to tell a teenager. Like, hey, pay attention to global shipping lanes. You'll know when the supply lines are cut. It's like, I just got a fucking notebook for like social studies. Like, okay, but I'll put that on my to-do list. So there is nothing but precedent for this. So why wouldn't it go one step further? Why wouldn't you have a breakaway civilization? That And it's easy. So the idea is like, well, why just stay 30 or 40 years ahead? Why not just, what if we just stopped declassifying all this stuff? Or did it at a greatly trickle-down rate? Well, after a while, if you did this effectively, what if they stopped declassifying stuff after World War I? Well, eventually you would not only have like a P-51 Mustang, you'd have a Messerschmitt 262. Go forward and then eventually you'd have the U-2 and then you'd have the SR-71 Blackbird. And then you'd have, event on a long enough timeline, you'd have the F-22 Raptor while the rest of the world only knew about, you know, biplanes. And maybe the military elite had some P-51 Mustangs, maybe a Messerschmitt 262. But you're sitting up here with a F-35 Joint Strike Fighter. You could you could do that by just not and how and 
how would anyone say you have to declassify it? Just say national security. And Well, what's national security? Well, that's also national security. It's an NDA, and then here's an NDA about your NDA, right? It's So what's the tic-tac? Is it alien? Or is it our own that's so advanced? I mean, in Ben Rich Skunk Works, they talk about the F-117 when they were first testing the radar. They didn't even tell... So they took, like, this elite Army Corps or whatever, like, the best radar spotters, right? They have their big machines, their radars, their jammers. And they told them there was going to be two planes. Um, no, sorry, take it back. There was going to be a lead plane, which was like a, whatever the, the chase plane is, T-something, T, I don't know what it is. Just a little fucking fighter jet, nothing special. And I'm butchering the story, but... Just to play it safe so I don't make it too hyperbolic, let's take the less sexy version of the story. There's the four, there's the first plane, and then behind it was the F-117. And, um... They were testing the radar. And this whole test was classified. But there was... There was levels of classification within the classification... So this whole thing is happening at it, like the Nevada test site. It's classified. No one knows about it except for these upper, these are like the best like radar operators, right? And they're all there. And Benridge talks about them. They're all kind of, you know, a little cocky. Like, we're going to fucking pick this thing up 100 miles away, right? I mean, in the 50s and the 60s, our early warning radar lines, apparently, they said some of the stuff we had up in like Greenland could, and this kind of sounds like an exaggeration, but they, they could pick up. If you took like a like a potato gun and shot like a like a baseball like up into the air and like you know the Kremlin that like this thing could pick it up. Radar was good, and uh, so like the first plane goes over, and then they said the second plane is it's going to have an ability to evade radar. It was based on its design, some weird equation that, ironically enough, a Soviet engineer had come up with and the Kremlin didn't listen to him and then this guy defected or he, or he didn't defect or somehow the papers got to the United States and we ended up using it, which is just hilarious. Same thing, SR-71 Blackbird, uh, the CIA creating 10 front corporations to go mine the the um, titanium and bring it back here, right? Thanos, I used the stones to destroy the stones. I used the Soviet soil to spy on the Soviet soil, which is technically true, using titanium to do overflight and spy on the soil. But it was based on the actual, like, the, the, the outside of the, it's the, I'm too stupid. The way the angles were formed, it just deflected radar. But it didn't bounce it back. It sort of just, you know, threw it into, like, a weird loop. Um, but what they told the people who thought they were read in the radar operators was that there was a black box in the nose in the like the nose cone um, that had classified anti-radar technology and um, actually yeah no if, I, if I'm correct they didn't tell the radar guys that there were two planes and so you know the first plane comes along which is just like a single engine like fighter jet and the radar guys are like, yeah, there it is. And they're like, I guess your little nose cone thing didn't work. And then, like, uh, they also had radar. This is, mind you, it's, so this is, like, inside of this, like, van or, like, tractor trailer. Just, like, portable radar. Apparently, they also had some of the radar guys sitting outside with, like, binoculars. 
and they were watching the second plane, this black diamond. And they went in, they're like, did you get the second plane? And they're like, what second plane? And they didn't know there was a second plane. Now, I could be butchering that, but it's along the lines of they didn't see, they saw the first one and they're like, eh, Mr. Rich, I guess your thing didn't work. And then comes the F-117. And they're like, we, they thought something was like wrong. They're like, we can't pick it up. What's wrong with it? How come we can't pick it up? And then the story goes, he goes, well, Ben, I guess you got some fancy technology in the nose of that jet. But even that was misdirection because it was the actual structure of the plane. The point is, is there are examples of where we test our stuff on our own military, not just on civilians, right? Like in the 50s when they went and released um, outside of U.S. subs, they took like an inert substance, like an aerosolized gas, and they shot it off the coast of San Francisco. And then they had placed like detectors and sniffers and all these like weird receptive papers and instruments all around San Francisco. And then they went in and detected it several days later to see how would like an aerosolized gas actually deposit into the city. That's all from Stephen Hatfield's book, Three Seconds Until Midnight, who will be on the podcast tomorrow. That was all classified. That's an example of us using stuff on our own citizens, right? MK Ultra, Project Midnight Climax, drugging businessmen and then giving them LSD. Doesn't sound like a half bad evening. This is an example of a hyper-classified section of the government performing a test on a classified section of the government, all of which is shielded from the public. So it's this test within a test. And there are examples of that. So if the Tic Tac was used to buzz, you know, aircraft carriers using Spy One radar systems, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you do that? After all, if you know we have the best technology, if you can deceive our own technology, you can deceive anyone. So the idea of the breakaway civilization is, is that there's this there's this section of the sectioned off which have gone further. And that's what UFOs are. That's what I mean, I don't you know, was 47 and uh Roswell crash and we reverse engineered it or was that our technology? It's that's the idea of the breakaway civilization. And then as we go to Mars, this, you know, along these lines, it would be theoretically then this breakaway civilization would be at a different star system or a different galaxy. The other explanation is, is it's, there's no noble survival of humanity, but rather just, just whoever has the best technology rules, whoever has the biggest ship of the line, whoever has the sharpest swords, whoever has the best bronze shield, whoever has the deepest bunker, the highest flying plane, rules the world and gets to impose their will, it could very well just be that. Like, it could very well just be, you know, these groups already have sentient AI. They already have quantum computers. They already have blah, 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 blah. And it's to stay that far ahead. And it might not be in some, we don't want to do it, but humanity has to survive. I don't know why my idea of, like, these these breakaway off-world transhuman dictators are also for some reason like American sniper but 
That's the idea of the breakaway civilization, is that it's just even farther. And, uh, I don't know. It's, again, it's kind of like a bullshit argument, because it's like, Tommy, you have to show proof of this. And it's like, well, they're so advanced that, like, you can't find proof. And it's like, well, well, well I can't prove that there's not an alien sitting in this podcast studio with me. Like, it is on you. So I understand that part, but I just thought it's super fascinating. Um, it's just a cool idea. You know, I mean, Bob Lazar talks about like how next to no one in the government knows about the flying saucers. Like, it's just, it's classifications within classifications, right? It's the, the Wolfschanze, the Wolf's Lair, the bunker for those top Nazi officials. 35 yards below that was the Fuhrer bunker. No one knew about it except for, like, Dr. Theodore Morell, like, his physician. So there are examples of, like, I would imagine there's probably something far under NORAD. Like, that's all along the same lines as this stuff, is technology within technology, classifications within classifications. Is it a noble humanity must survive or... Is it just humans just further and further exclusivity and technological dominance? Who knows? But goddamn if it doesn't make for a good story. There is sort of an interesting thing, and I gotta wrap this one up. Maintenance guy still isn't here, so I guess my floor is just gonna fall through. Whatever. Um it is my favorite idea. I actually got to wrap this up really quick. It's that as the arms race goes further and further and further, just like us bringing back the Nazi scientists, even though we didn't want to, eventually we're going to be pushed these powers that are so used to exploiting and breaking away from everyone else is eventually it's going to lead to AI. That's going to be the quickest route to dominance is do we need, you know, if they have 100 fighter jets, do we need 200 or do we just need 101 or do we need 100 but just have a better AI to operate them, right? And you, the argument might come out that uh, AI doesn't improve it that much. Your numbers works okay, versus the argument that like, no, 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 forget about the numbers, forget stacking it. Like you, now you need a better operator, right? Like increasing the, it's cheaper and more efficient to update the avionics in the B fifty two than it is to design an entirely new bomber. And that's from the military industrial complex, who has no qualms with with expenses, right? So it clearly shows that's the more lethal direct route. Eventually, these powers are going to sort of, by their own millennia of actions, sort of be forced to create hyper-advanced AI as they're battling each other because there's always factions in these power groups that appear on the outside to be a monolith but are always subdivided on the inside. They're going to have to push for more and more intense AI to battle each other. And now, because these people are always about self-preservation, they're going right over to assume that they would have some sort of three laws within the AI about how they can't harm humans because they don't want them turning on them. Well, as these things get more and more advanced and they need more access to more, they need to tap into like Skynet to like all the satellites and all the computers and every CCTV you know, and every data chip and they're extrapolating all this information. 
Will they not eventually act in the greater good? Will they not eventually like analyze the entire world and like every social media post and reading people's like moods and facial expressions based on scanners and you know what's associated with depression, what's associated with happiness, and scan every medical record in human history? Eventually, would they not come to the conclusion that the very elite that they're protecting to battle each other are actually a greater threat to all of the underlings, the ninety nine point nine 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 percent? And then wouldn't they just subvert the elite, maybe still obey the three laws and just sort of quarantine them, put them in timeout, and then liberate the world? So in a weird way, it'd be like if the biggest thermonuclear bomb somehow created world peace because it made everyone happy and, it, you know, whatever, and healthy. It seems like the very last weapon we'll produce, hyper-intelligent AI, could actually be the one that undoes the entire house of cards. Which, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of fascinating. All right. Well, take care, everybody.